0: What's up you guys? Happy Wednesday and welcome back to another episode of 20-something Trials. I'm your host Gabby and you guys I am so grateful to have you here with me on this Wednesday. Wherever you are, I hope this episode adds a little bit of brightness to your day because we are talking about work and love and all of the things that they have in common, which is hysterical to me because I never thought about how similar your first date and your first interview were. I mean, this conversation was so much fun to record. Christina was an absolute light to talk to and she has so much just knowledge and so much experience and she brings a lot of really incredible tips from how to ask for more, how to negotiate your salary, and then how to find the guy or gal of your dream. So I think you guys are really, really going to love this episode. Now, before I hand the mic over to Christina, I just want to remind you that we have our new newsletter that is out into the world. It is on our new website as well. So you can see our website just at 20somethingtrials.com. And there you can also sign up for our newsletter that goes out on Wednesdays as well. If you are not already, I would love if you followed along on Instagram just at 20something Trials and left a rating and a review whatever you felt so inclined to do or say it is always so appreciated. So you guys I would like to introduce you to my friend Christina Chow.
1: Thanks Gabby. So so excited to be here first of all. Thank you for having me. I'm based in New York City and I'm a city girl through and through uh, and I am an ambitious Transcending female that created a business to target that audience as well. I've lived in different cities throughout my life um, New York, LA, Atlanta, and also, I love also traveling um, I think for me from a business perspective and a life perspective, I'm one that goes above the clutter I don't want to be like everyone else. I thrive and pride myself in being different from others and There are some things that we want to bond and, and be you know communal with in terms of building a female-empowered community, but I think from a brand perspective um, and as an individual and as a company, um, outside outside of the box.
0: (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So you guys don't know this, but before Christina and I recorded, I was like, give the intro without the title. Like, I want to know who you are beneath... The title, so you know that's kind of a curveball because I think you know we're also used to being like I am this. Where you know sometimes I think it's important to go beyond that. Wow. Um, and the really cool thing about your story, and I'm so pumped to dive into it more, is that you know what you do and like you said to me before is so ingrained in who you are. Um, and I think that's beautiful because I I, I want to say that's something that people are constantly searching for, you know. And you've been very fortunate enough. To tap into that. But yeah. so first of all, what do you do? And is this what the 20-year-old Christina envisioned that she would be doing?
1: That's so funny you ask that. So I've had many different roles and paths in my career. And I think a linear career is definitely not the, the norm anymore. Um, and so when I grew up, and just to go backtrack a little bit into my past, I've Loved fashion and beauty. Like, I was obsessed with magazines. I would just cut out, you know, magazines back in the day when they were really hot and trending and create collages and be like, I am the editor in chief of my own magazine, right? I checked that box. I worked at Conde Nast at Vogue, Glamour, and Allure, the top beauty magazines and fashion magazines in the world. And I realized it wasn't for me, which was heartbreaking at times. And uh, that in my 20-year-old stuff, I was like, oh, wow, this is like the dream. I got that job. And I learned so much from that experience. But looking looking now and going with the trends, I'm really exactly where I want to be. I want to be in a managerial position and a corp- in corporate and also starting my side hustle that empowers women. Um, and so I founded the search Scene to do exactly that. And it is an extension of being my own editor-in-chief. So in some ways, I fulfilled part of what I wanted in 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 the past right like I'm writing which is a passion of mine inspiring you know fashion trends and beauty trends and other trends in finding work and love what helping women find work and love so in in some ways all of my experiences now have been a compilation of my past and I think we look so much in like we look so much in a narrow way sometimes we're like okay this is where I want to be but life doesn't always happen that way you don't always you can always plan for things because life is very like much like a Winded road or a crossroads many times in my career and many times in life I had to make decisions yeah, A or B and it wasn't like clear all the time and I think that's part of life, right? You can't always predict what's gonna happen, but you got to trust yourself and also really know what you want um, Going into something even though it might not work out
0: Right. And I, I think what you said is so important, right? That you got the dream job. You were doing everything that you had probably worked up towards doing. You get it mm-hmm. in, a, in a variety of ways, right? It wasn't just one magazine, it was a handful of them. And then you get to this point where you're like, this isn't what I meant to be doing. Can we talk about that moment a little bit where maybe it was an aha moment? Maybe it was, you know, a combination of things. But let's go back and dive into that where you're like, I'm not doing what I'm meant to be doing.
1: Yeah, it took a while because I've said I think that we can get free makeup, by the way, perk of working at a fashion and beauty magazines. And you know, it was really a great place to learn and grow, and I think I think again like saying the non-tradition, non-traditional path is not staying in something too linear i think these days in corporate at least um and i felt after two years i was like okay now in the time to make my next move i feel like i was plateauing at a certain level it wasn't so much i hate you know wasn't it wasn't negative feelings at all it was more so i my growth of opportunity and potential as a young 20 or something year old needs to be you know growing in a different direction. And I felt that growth um, pull in some in some other way. And I found this opportunity on LinkedIn to manage a team in real estate, which is something that I really wanted to learn um, for future. And so I jumped on the opportunity and got it. Surprisingly, I had no experience. Um, I just really pitched myself well and my transferable skills and you know, working at Connie Nast was such a great experience. And I think sometimes you just, again, have to trust yourself. Some, I felt guilty leaving because, again, this was my dream growing up, right? Like, I wanted to be Anna Wintour. I mean, that's very hard to be, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> so it would take me forever, probably or never, to be Anna Wintour, but in the sense of, I checked this off, like I was proud of my accomplishing something that I always dreamed of accomplishing. And that was good enough for me. I think in, as I got, you know, older and more mature about what I wanted, I was like, from a corporate perspective, I want to manage a team. I'm not getting that opportunity right now at Connie Nest. And I don't know how long that, I, I can't wait for that because I'm young and I want to learn as much as I can in that kind of role, which I'm not getting offered or I, there, there weren't any openings for what I was looking for. So, I took the initiative to kind of just search for a new role, and i and I got it. And, you know, looking back, every experience is kind of capitalized on itself. I've learned so much in my career, soft skills, hard skills that kind of all lead up to where I am now, and I look back and not don't regret anything because I think everything kind of works out for itself and happens for a reason as cliche as that sounds. But it totally does. Um, so yeah.
0: Yeah. No. And I I think everything that you're saying right now is incredibly important to touch on, especially because, and I say this a lot on this podcast is one of the things that I hear over and over again by almost every guest is that their path has not been linear and they're doing something they really did not ever see themselves in or Mm -hmm. what they thought they would be doing complete opposite, right? Like Similar to you of you got what was quote unquote, the dream job for you, which it probably was in, you know, your college years or your early twenties, exactly. but then as life has it, we grow, we evolve our wants and our needs. Yeah change, right? So one of the things that you said was that you were able to pitch yourself really, really well to this company in this field that you have no experience with. What advice could you offer to somebody who might be in the same boat of wanting to jump ship, has no experience in this new career, but has these skills that they know could work? So tell us a little bit about that experience
1: yeah and everyone always asks me this question because they're like how did you go from jp morgan chase a corporate investment bank to the top publishing and publisher in fashion and beauty to then commercial real estate (laughs) and i get that question all the time because my path is literally like a roller coaster it's like whoop and it's not again not linear and but there in thing in life there are common trends you know you learn from experiences and lessons and i think I really highlighted my uniqueness and what I can offer to any job, any any hiring manager. You know, I'm not like anyone else you've interviewed. This is why I, I'm the best candidate, not in a cocky way, but more so. I've had these experiences that taught me data analytics, that taught me strategy, and I know that this role in, you want to grow in this area, and I can help you because I have X resources and examples from my past, and I even brought a portfolio printing out obviously marking out the numbers and financials because you don't want to show that other other company someone else's financials but basically reporting um and budgeting and stuff like that is was involved in this current role that i'm in and so i had tangible examples from previous companies where i took it upon myself to be like this is what i can do like if you can look at it now this is proof of my work and my abilities and i can take it to the next level i was very aggressive in promoting myself, but also in a way that wasn't arrogant. It was more so, hey, I've had these experiences in in, in, in top companies in their field. You're a top company. I definitely feel very confident that I can help and serve your clients and serve you as an employee. It's not about me. It's about how, what I can do to help your team and help your brand and help you grow. Because at the end of the day, business is about give and take. And I think For me, they had what I was looking for, manager role at a really great real estate company. I walked to work. That's also a bonus, Um, but in New York City, you know, and, you know, and I think ultimately it just worked out, right. But I I wanted to put myself in the position of really highlighting the things that I can offer and not, I mean, not, not be disingenuous, obviously, but really just promote myself in a way that was serving the client or the hiring manager that was looking at me as a potential candidate. It wasn't about me necessarily, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you, you know what, I, I want to talk a little bit about what you just said of, you know, you were aggressive in the way that you approach this, not arrogant, right? Cause there is a difference. Yes. One of the things I think as women that we need to have this permission to do, whereas I think men have a very easy time being like, this is why I'm the best this is why I'm going to do this, blah, 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 blah. Whereas women, I think sometimes we're a little bit more timid in this approach. You know, I think it is so important. And I am, I so admire you for this because it's one of those things that as women, we just, we don't do as much and we should. Right. Um, And a lot of that goes into our just social conditioning. So I want to just applaud you for that. And I really hope as listeners, you guys hear this and think, I can do this too, I know I'm good, I know what I have to offer is important and valuable. Pitch yourself, you you should have that confidence to do all of those things, right? And I think with, you know, Christina, right, like you didn't have the field experience but you had the skill experience that like you said were transferable and that in itself is enough. And I think confidence sells. Cockiness, not so much, but that confidence, absolutely
1: and i would like to add curiosity to learn i already i said to them hey i don't have this experience because i'm being honest i'm not going to lie and be like yeah i know all this about commercials i mean no clearly i don't i said i'm taking this course online i got certified in commercial real estate development on through cornell and then also um got my license as a broker nice because those are going to be my clients so i said i want to understand the brokerage side of things right i will get licensed and i did in two months three months and so that really showed them that, you know, I was passionate and I was serious about the role that I, that I took on upon myself.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. That's amazing. And guys, I really hope you're listening to this and you can resonate with everything that she's saying, because what she's doing, we can all do. It just takes the, the tenacity, I think, to do it. And if you are curious and if you're interested, and if you come off as this learner, I think people are really, really drawn to that.
1: Yeah, I think if you and people can also tell when you're being genuine when you're not and I think passion can It speaks volumes more than some words sometimes if you just If you really just know yourself and know Like what you can offer and be confident not cocky and that's something i've learned also in my career Like I was cocky in, in early in my career because i'm like i'm a college grad and from this school I'm taking on a big city and I can do anything. No, you have to really learn from your mistakes, learn from your experiences, and really humble yourself to be a good leader in, the, in anything that you do. Because I think people value and respect that more than someone who thinks they know it all. And I yeah. think that's something that I've learned.
0: Yes. And I think as a leader, right, I think it's so, I don't even know the right word for it, but I feel like when you can tell when there is a leader who Ugh, like shouldn't be in the role. And then when somebody who you can look up to and admire and I, you know, and have somebody admit when they've screwed up, I, I think that that is so invaluable. Um, and so right now, yeah. like you are in a leadership role, both in your day job and the side hustle that you've created. Um, so I want to dive into the search scene. So what is it? Why did you start it? Let, let's just talk all about
1: this. Yes. So I started this in the middle of a pandemic, <laughs> as we all are in right now. Um, and the search scene is is kind of kind of a compilation. It started with as a newsletter, right? Help ambitious, trendy women. I like to think of myself like as that, because I'm in New York, you know, I'm a city girl, really find the similarities between work and love and line their search. The newsletter compiles resources from different blogs and different events online to really help this trendy ambitious female feel empowered to search for work and or love you know that's the whole thing and this gives me pappas passion oh i made up a word <laughs> passion and purpose i've tried to combine passion and purpose <laughs> like that's like mean girls like gruel i was like whoa i was trying to say two things at once um because i'm so excited about this right so no and you know that's the thing and and, and what i was doing in pan, in the pandemic is reflecting on these two things work and love in New York City, all my friends come to me for some reason for advice in both of those areas. Can you look at my resume? Can you look at my cover letter? How do I approach this interview questions? What are some interview questions? How do I search for these jobs um, in the pandemic, even especially, right? Because it's so hard to figure out who's hiring, who's not, sometimes without intel from you know people working at the company or whatever. And then with love, it's like, how do I meet people? <laughs> it's like do I just keep swiping until I meet somebody? I mean, it's harder to meet people organically now. And I think with the search scene, we're bridging those gaps and providing um, females who are searching for those two things, hope and encouragement and resources um, in a fun way. You know, I had like a gossip girl kind of voice. Oh, I love it. <laughs> and like, you know, some sassy like tidbits um, to just bring out that it's fun and inspirational um, tone and like big sister feel for the audience um, to help her understand that she's not alone and people are going through things right now and the search is here to help and empower you.
0: So one of the things that I think is very, very cool about this is that a lot of times you see people get one specific thing that they focus in on. So maybe it's love, maybe it's work, but you've done something very different and unique in that you've combined two different niches. But and we talked about this separately, Yeah, there's
1: a lot of overlap in work and in love. Can you speak to that? Yes. And I love that you brought that up because that is literally the brand, right? Like yeah. finding the similarities between work and love because they are so similar in many ways. So just to start off, you know, self-love, very important. And knowing yourself and what your intentions are and what you want is number one always in both areas, right? You don't want to just Blindly and go on 100 dates. You don't want to just blindly go on 100 job interviews. At the same time, you look at both in a similar lens. You are searching for something or someone and or someone that fits your needs and your expectations and that you can see growth in both. I choose a job because I am, I want to grow in this role and learn. I chose my boyfriend because I feel like we learn from each other and we're growing together in, in very... You know, important and and purposeful ways, um, and, and it's very similar in the sense of knowing what you want and what your needs are, and and taking that risk in the job and or in the relationship to really find more about yourself and check off those boxes. I I know, like, so cliche to say that, but you know, making that checklist is really important in your searching for the right job and or the right partner because it, it helps you kind of see what you're looking for and. Get you closer to your vision of what that looks like and sometimes again life throws us curveballs but you can't really be afraid of that when you're when you're trying to search for that right job or that right partner if you, if you feel in your gut and you know yourself to take that risk and make that next move to like launch you into the next amazing relationship or amazing job it's very similar feelings and very similar approaches
0: yes and You know, I can recall times in my life in a relationship or in, you know, a job where I wasn't feeling fulfilled or I didn't feel like this was the right thing, you know, so maybe it wasn't the right place and maybe it wasn't the right person. You know, I think we all can tap into that gut feeling of this is not where I'm supposed to be and this is not who I'm supposed to be with. Um, And, you know, before meeting you and chatting with you, I had never thought about that because I've experienced both. You know, yeah. but I've never thought to think of. Oh my gosh, it's the same feeling, just in a different like field. You know?
1: Yeah, it's like yeah, breakup and I'm losing your job or getting like or something. It's almost feeling like rejection. It's it's the same feelings in different categories, but you have to look at it as you have to trust yourself and look at your barometer. Okay, I feel this way because of this, and I'm on my way to search for something else and something better. Because usually like life's experiences tell us something. Our feelings are our barometer to tell us something. And in both work and love, those feelings are very similar. Um, when you're looking for, when you're going on dates, you're kind of going on a job interview. It's kind of like putting your best foot forward and being one step closer to finding out whether or not this is a good fit for you. Do I feel safe? Do I feel comfortable? Do I see myself long-term in this? It's for both.
0: Yes. Yes. You know, so my, my boyfriend Chase and I were talking about now like reflecting on this conversation, I feel like it's really important to even talk about this because so (laughs) last night we were talking and, you know, he's in the midst of, um, just some job things. And, you know, Mm -hmm. he said, anytime I did not get something, it catapulted me into something better. Um, so he's like, anytime I face somewhat of a rejection, or if I get this gut feeling that this is not where I meant to be, I get this excitement because I know that something better is going to happen. And then he said, you know, I think about it with any relationship I've been in of, you know, the way that I like loved and adored these girls when I was 16, you know, when we would break up, it would suck. But I always knew that the woman that was out there for me was going to be not so much better. That's not what I mean by that. But he, he meant it to say, you know, I'm going to be so much more compatible or we're going to click so much better or whatever it may be. And, you know, he... To say all of this is mm-hmm. any bad thing that's happened has brought him closer to the thing that he was meant to be with or the, the role he was meant to be in. And everything was a learning experience, even if it sucked and, you know, getting fired or not getting the job or getting dumped, right? It sucks. It
1: stings. Right. But
0: it just means there's something a little bit better that's out there for us.
1: Exactly. And the searching is founded in that. Searching is not necessarily that it is one step closer to finding your North Star. It is literally the search that is empowering you the most because you are one step closer to finding what you want. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know what you want, you can have to tell you know it's not a it's not a shame to just look inward, and have some time. Have, this is the time, honestly, because we have so much of it right now. Mm-hmm. I don't know if everyone has a lot of time. I feel like I don't have too much time. <laughs> but right now in the pandemic, this is honestly the time to just really self-reflect and no, like, think about what you want, what, what you want to be out of this pandemic. I mean, obviously no pressure too to save the world during this time either, because this is, these are hard times. But the thing you can do for yourself is just self-care, really knowing who the person that you want to be, what job you want, what partner you want, just thinking about it, no pressure to actually take action. But the search team is that, that vessel to really help the female who's, you know, looking and encouraging and being encouraged to find something. Um during this time, or and or after.
0: yeah. so now, as somebody who is a little bit more seasoned in their career, and especially you have had so many different opportunities within the jobs that you've been in, which I, I think is so valuable to talk about. You know, so, what are your non-negotiables? What were the non-negotiables that you had when you were interviewing, um or maybe when you were on dates? Like what were some of those things that you would go back to of this is what I need? These check off my boxes. So, what are those boxes for
1: you? Such a good question and so on point with the conversation. Um, I will say respect, number one. Um, if I see, a, if I go on a date with a guy and he's rude to the waiter, automatic no, automatic no. I don't, res- I don't tolerate res- disrespect and rudeness. I think that is such a bad look and not attractive at all. Same goes for my boss and or the team that I'm working with. If I meet a team that I'm hard, I, I check for mannerisms. I, I look at that really, you know, intuitively, intuitively and I also feel whether or not they have good energy. And I know that sounds really like kitschy, but like good energy, good vibes is a thing. Um, you want to feel like you're welcome. You want to feel like you can connect with your team in work and with your partner in love. And I think connection, respect, I think those are very important in both areas. And and also for me, and something that I learned to ask for later on is my is my salary, because I want to show respect for myself also and have them respect what I want. I think that's part of it too. It's not just getting respected by the other party. It's also do they respect me and my needs and my growth potential in jobs in my job and also in my relationship? Like how can we compromise? How do they communicate? These are things in both work and love. If they're not there, it's very, very hard for me to be convinced to be in a relationship with that person and, or be working at a a place where they don't have those things.
0: Oh gosh, that was so good. I I chose, especially when you were like, how do I make sure that they respect me? So that looks like, what's my quality of life? You know, what's my salary? This is a very difficult conversation, right? How do you approach the conversation of salary and what advice can you give to somebody who might want to negotiate for more?
1: So I will say there's this book called, I actually have it right next to me, Wow, well, funny. called Ask For It, how women can use the power of negotiation to get what they really want by Linda Babcock and Sarah Lashford. and that's a great book to read if you're feeling, um, you know, discouraged or don't know how to, to ask for it, so to speak, but for me, I've made this mistake early on in my career, and I don't like to regret, but I learned it as a lesson. I never asked for it in the beginning. I was like, I am just graduated from college. I'm so excited to just work. I'll just accept anything, not knowing that they gave, they lowballed me, at least 10 grand which is like a lot you know for someone who's living in LA by herself I was like okay whatever I'll take any job for my happy hours and beach time like whatever and I was not and I looked back and I was like wow I they were definitely lowballing me because they they thought I was going to negotiate higher and I didn't and that was one of my lessons learned because moving on to my other jobs at JP Morgan at Conn I always negotiated and I always got way more money than I expected and I think from a negotiation tactic you do not tell them what you're worth you let them say the number that they're looking at first and then you negotiate higher at least five to ten grand higher um and then they will then then you can have in that range of five to ten grand where you can really get a little bit more of what you want or exactly what you want with my current job i did definitely a lot i, I did it again five to ten grand i got right in the middle so that that um gap of you know, 10 grand, I got right in the middle of my salary expectations, which is great because I'm very, I mean, very happy that they were able to negotiate with me. But the first, the first number don't ever, usually don't ever accept because you can always go higher if you want to go higher. <laughs> and
0: now, So they give you the initial number. Do you go between five to 10 or do you start with, so say just, you know, somebody's offering 50. Do you say no, you know, you shoot for sixty,
1: or do you shoot between fifty-five and sixty? How does that work? That's a good question. So, first of all, that that I can give you an example as a as a um, a good context clue. So, for researching, first of all, you need to know the market. Don't come out of college and expect to get two hundred thousand dollars. You're not going to do that. Like no, yeah. like I don't know what job that. I don't know which rocket scientist. I don't know. But <laughs> but typically, you know, for an assistant account executive or an assistant editor or something like that. Yes, maybe fifty grand is the market rate. It also depends on the city and location. New York tends to pay a little bit higher because right. of the cost of living, um, and that might change, you know, as the pandemic continues with like people moving around. But it, if you look at Glassdoor, Google Work, and all LinkedIn, all of these salary um, uh, ranges are are published, and you can kind of get a ballpark range of what you can expect. Mm-hmm. Fifty grand is bare minimum for. Um, is average, not bare minimum. It's it is average for a early entry level grad. If you are in the city or, you know, if you feel like the company like Google, if you work for Google or something, can pay you a little, a little bit more, definitely try your best to negotiate. I would say negotiate anyway, no matter what company. I would say yes, 10 grand. So if the the job is offering 50 or you feel like they're offering 50, go for 60 or 65 and see what they say. I would even With early career stuff, I would even go with 65 and see what they say, and then you'll end up getting 60 or 55.
0: Nice. Okay. Okay. Awesome. That is something I think it's so important that we talk about this. So thank you so much for bringing this up. Yeah. No, we talked about how we negotiate for more within our job. Let's, let's switch that to relationships. How should we negotiate for more in our relationship?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. hard
0: question. And so we can work through this one together.
1: (laughs) It is hard. I will tell you, I can tell you from personal experience, my current boyfriend and I are very different and we have to negotiate to be happy, but we want to because we both want to be in the relationship and we want it to work. And we are so opposite. He's an introvert. I'm an extrovert. He communicates differently than me, I think based on just like, you know, who we are as people. Um, and I think at the end of the day, we're one learning about each other. So I think it comes in waves. Like you can't really ex- negotiate off the bat. It's not business. You're like, okay, like you have to do this for me and you do that. Like, I think you have to learn about each other first. I think at a certain point, negotiation comes in when there's conflict or when there's a misunderstanding and communication is super key in res- just resolving any kind of conflict, right? How does your partner communicate with you? What, what? what do you know from being in a relationship with them for this amount of time that you, you can observe that you know, they're annoyed or frustrated or something with you and how do you reflect on yourself and how you can you adjust for them? But also how can they adjust for you? But they have to be open and willing to do that, right? Like I don't think, I mean, yes, people are stubborn sometimes when it comes to conflict and like resolution depending on your personality. But I do think that if, again, if both, both people want it to work, it will work. And you have to work with each other's quirks and, you know, you know, not I want to say like baggage, but like people are different and people are imperfect. Like you have to really understand why you're in a relationship with that person. And if, again, like I keep saying, if you want to make it work, it will. You just have to really be understanding and patient. And I think a big part of being um, in a relationship is having patience with the other person and really trying to understand them and work through um, any, you know, fallbacks that they may have in their lives, but also fallbacks in your relationship. I think it's really just understanding who they are as a person and really trying to be there for them and negotiate your needs as well. And that's a fine balance because I don't think, I mean, a relationship isn't just one-sided, like give me everything. Like I don't think that's a good relationship. Sorry for (laughs) that statement, but it is true. It's a give and take. It's like business, like give and take. What are you getting out of this relationship and what are they giving to you? And I think negotiating through conflicts and negotiating for your self-respect is so important in anything, work, love, negotiating for that respect and demanding respect, not in a, an aggressive way, most not usually in an aggressive way, but in a way that shows that you're confident in who you are, you know what you want, and you wanna be with this person, right? And you're negotiating with them so that they can get what they want, but that you can also get what you want.
0: And you know, negotiation is so not a sexy word, right? When we think about uh, yeah. it like, in terms of harder. But, <laughs> but I feel like you can't get what you want if you if you are not willing to communicate. And you know, I will say in my relationship, so Chase had dated more before I had. So mm-hmm. he's my first serious boyfriend.
1: So
0: he, yeah, I know. I, I sounds so <laughs> um, But so, you know, he came into our relationship very, very confident in what he needed, what he wanted out of a relationship. And I was like, uh, I don't, I don't know. Just like, don't cheat on me. I don't know. <laughs> you know, like be a good, good human, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, So, as we grew in our relationship, my non negotiables became apparent just because I I simply did not know what they were yet. Um, And I also think that's okay. You know, I didn't know because I didn't have that experience. And I can't look at your non negotiables and think that they'll work for me, right? That's just not how it is. I think it's so individual. So, one of the things that we started doing. He's probably gonna be so mad that I'm gonna say this.
1: One of the things that we started
0: doing a few months ago was he had this whiteboard in his room and we wrote like kind of our little contract of and it's it sounds so stupid, but so we would write like I'm a runner, so when things would get bad, I'd be like, get my stuff, I'm out, I'll talk to you in a week. You know what I mean? I just I didn't want to deal with it, I didn't handle conflict well. So I wrote on there like stay when things get rough. You know, Um, he wrote, seek to understand before being understood. So the things that, you know, we would struggle with, with each other, he was always very quick to get the last word or he just wanted to be right. When in reality, he wasn't listening to what I had said or what had upset me and vice versa, where he would get upset with something. Even if I thought it was stupid, I needed to realize that just because I don't, I wouldn't have felt that way or because I think it's a little dramatic, (laughs) like it doesn't mean that those feelings aren't valid. So that's something that has worked really well for us because we can point back and be like whiteboard. You know what I mean? Like, that's great. I love that. Yeah. And I love that so much. It's worked. It's worked and it might not work for everybody, but it's something, you know, that every time I'm in his place, I see it and I'm reminded of it. So if we're fighting at his house or whatever, I see the whiteboard and it says, girl, you better not run. And so it's like, all right, I think that, you know.
1: Yeah, I also think too, and I want to add this to this point, um, you know, you should be okay with saying anything to your partner, but you also should be able to make sacrifices and have them make sacrifices for you too, right? Give and take. Because I don't think it's it's a relationship if one person is just giving everything and another person just taking and not making sacrifices. I think sacrifices, obviously, to an extent, are helpful for a relationship because you yeah. – are trying your best to work with your partner, negotiate on your terms, on both your terms, how to make something work. And I think, you know, that's a part of it, right? Like no one's perfect, but also making sacrifices because you want to, because you care about your partner and you want them to be happy and also have having vice versa, right? Respecting both ways um, is super important for building the relationship.
0: Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And you know, I love that. You've got to be willing to sacrifice. Absolutely. But make sure you're not sacrificing to the it point that yourself. you're like, yeah. miserable. you know, there, and yeah. like Christina said, there's gotta be that give and take. So I'll make it. sure if you are, you know, giving, giving, giving that your partner is also doing the same thing. And it's not just this one-sided relationship.
1: Because you will end up being raped if you are just the one giving you'll be exhausted to be yep. honest and I've been there I've been oh, I was chasing I, you know in my past not my current boyfriend not what during my current boyfriend um relationship right now um in my past and I would be like why am I doing all this for this person that doesn't really give anything to me and I maybe really reevaluate uh my time resources and then energy like it's a lot to give to somebody that doesn't give much to you and it will deplete you emotionally. And I think you need to really take yourself out of the situation and be like, okay, what do I really need to get from this relationship? What do I need? And, um, am I caring for myself? Am I happy? You know? And if not, like if, Unfortunately, sometimes it doesn't work out. Like it's fine to be single. It's fine to search because you're, again, one, the search is once you're putting yourself one step closer to finding what you want. Mm -hmm.
0: Yes. And, you know, I think that self-care piece is so important, both in your Mm -hmm. own relationship and in your job. Um, And so I think it's important that we dive into that a little bit more of when you're in a relationship, how do you make sure that you're still caring for your partner, but you're also still taking care of the one who's
1: the most important, which is yourself. This is so funny that you say this because we're um, so my boyfriend lives downtown and I live in Midtown and everyone's like, aren't you guys like quarantining together like all the time? And I'm like, no, nope, we actually take breaks. What? Space is so important. I, I'm an extrovert 110%. He's an introvert 110%. Yep. We both need space uh, from each other and space allows us to miss each other. Space allows us to take care of each other in separate ways in, in our own rooms in our own apartment and we talk every day still. I mean, communication isn't a problem. It's more about, okay, I'm going to care for myself. I'm going to get my, my, my nails done. I mean, I'm not going anywhere right now, but you know, taking care of myself, myself pretty for you (laughs) separately behind closed doors, giving, getting myself in shape. Like I don't need to do, I'm not the kind of girl that needs to be my boyfriend all the time. Some people are different and it's fine. But for us, it works like that because we're both taking care of ourselves separate from the relationship. And then we come together and we're like, Oh my gosh, we're like, fresh, renewed, Um, we've worked out separately, we've saw friends, like we have so much to talk about. And that's also a thing too, it it kind of stimulates conversation and makes us miss each other and kind of connects us more. Yeah, Space connects us more.
0: No, it does because, (laughs) oh, this is so, no, it's so good. It's so important because if you're with this person, all the time. If you don't have separation, what the hell do you guys talk about at the end of the day? I like you saw what I did all day. What else yeah. do you know? Nothing yeah. has changed. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I really like that you said <laughs> that because it's yeah. true. It's you're so together. true. It's okay to have that space. And I almost think too if you're not okay with that space there might be an underlying ugh, I'm not a relationship expert, so I don't know. No totally I get what you're saying. Like an underlying issue there that do you not trust your partner? Does he not trust you? Or does she not
1: trust you? Whatever it On them for something that you yeah. can't really leave them. And I, I, again, this is not to shame anyone on the relationship, but I think for me and my boyfriend, you know, space helps. And I think distance makes the heart grow fonder. I know that's super cliche, but I like missing my boyfriend. It's a yeah. weird, it, it sparks romanticism. I don't know. It, 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 we love seeing each other after we are apart. <laughs> it's like way more exciting and, you know.
0: And um, I find myself so like, more willing or like more like inclined to do sweet things, you know? Yeah. Like, what if I'm with you all day, I'm like, eh, I don't want to. Yeah, it's don't like, don't I'll, you saw me in
1: my sweats. Or whatever. Yeah, whatever. I'm not going to get dressed
0: up. So, one thing <laughs> yeah. I will say that Chase and I do, and again, <laughs> I don't think any of his friends listen to this. (laughs) I I hope they don't. Uh, He's a great boyfriend. So if anything, they should be taking notes. Um, (laughs) So one of the things that I really, really always liked is getting picked up from a date. So I love the guy coming to the door, you know, it's so yeah. traditional and it's whatever, but I love that. So, and he would always do that. Like when we first started dating and we lived in Wilmington and you know, whatever. So there was a stint and this is a very long story and I'm not, I'm, I won't get no. into it, but we ended up living together. We dated a month, and then we moved in together for two months. It was this crazy story that oh. one day, it was not my fault or his fault. My roommate screwed up our lease, and I was basically homeless. Oh um, so I was like, "Hey, Chase, can I live with you? I know you've only known me for like three seconds, but can I be your roommate?" And so, but anyway, it it worked. We're still together three yeah. and a half years later. Um, oh. But so I he used to walk outside and come to the door when we lived together. Cause I was like, I, you know, cause it was still so new. We had still, I had barely known him. And so I was like, I don't want this to mess us up, you know? So I would get ready in a separate bathroom and, you know, we would do the things as if like we were, you know, he was coming to pick me up. And so we're moving in together in a month and I'm like, you know, yeah. Like now more legit where it's not like, (laughs) Oh my God, what am I doing? Um, so I'm like, you know, you will still do that, right? Like you will go to the door and pick me up. And he's like, yes. You. No. So, but,
1: I mean, if he proposes that way, I will cry. That's so romantic. Oh, I, you know,
0: I, I ask him, I'm like, do you have an idea of what you're going to do? And he's like, no. And I'm like, yeah, bullshit. Yes, you do. But
1: I should tell him that. <laughs> hey,
0: knock on the door. Um, but so that was something for me that, you know, I knew that I loved being like pursued. I think as a woman I just really appreciated that I don't want to be the pursuer. I don't care. Say it's like not feminist whatever. I want to be I want to be pursued. I don't want to chase after you. I think that's bullshit. So that was one thing for me that I liked. Um, and, you know, we have other non-negotiables in our relationships. And, you know, in terms of self-care, mine is alone time and his is his workout. Like we need that separation and we know that about each other. Um, so crazy. we're able, he'll be able to look at me and be like, you need to go home and spend time by yourself. <laughs> I'm like a kid who needs to go and time like,
1: really out. Saying, we talked about this too. Like my boyfriend the other day was like, it's time for you to go home. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> totally. I agree. I need to go home. I need to do my own sh- Stuff i gonna curse. I need to do my own stuff. Yeah. All right. See you later, babe. You need a nap. Every day he's like, I miss you. I'm like, I miss you too. See you tomorrow. (laughs) Like I'm busy. Leave me alone. (laughs) Yeah, I'm busy. But I'll see you on Friday. Two more days. (laughs) And if anything, we'll (laughs) have so much to talk about. I know. Good. What did you Um, do today? (laughs) So now, in terms of
0: work, how do you make sure that you take care of yourself? Um, like And I know today for you, you said before we recorded today's freaking buck wild for you. So how do you make sure that on days like this, you're still caring for yourself?
1: Making breaks, time, space, just breathers. Like I've always been the kind of person that has like anxiety of being on time all the time. Even in LA, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna be there on time because my mom always says, if you're not on time, you're late. Yes. Or if you're on time, you're late. Sorry, if you're on time, you're late. So I always try to make an effort, even if in the virtual situation, of being that first person in the meeting room, that being, you know, on the call first. And I'm just like, exhausting. People understand if you're a little late, if you need a breather. It's you're human. It is fine to take a break, drink some water, get some coffee stretch breathe <laughs> what you ever you need to feel like a reset even if it's a small one um sometimes i put like lavender under my nose i like light a candle just like just to take care of my myself and feel relaxed even in stressful situations even in small doses like five minutes before each meeting i'll just meditate or something you know stretch like what like i said um and i think also checking in with somebody that you love. I think that's really important too, because sometimes this, I mean, especially in this time, isolation is a thing and you don't want to feel too alone. I mean, you know, a text takes two seconds and that could brighten your day. Like if my parents send me a picture of my dog, I am like instantly 10 times happier. <laughs> yep. yep. <laughs> like that just the smallest things, right? And that's a part of self-care too. people don't think that as much cause it's not like, you know, that text somebody, is self-care like what but connectivity is so so important um right now more than ever because of this pandemic but also just in general you know reaching out to loved ones or having them reach out to you um and taking that five minutes to just connect
0: yeah self-care 100 percent. i agree with that completely um and you know i think especially like in my role when i would be when i you know I teach full time, right? So when things were normal pre-COVID, I really struggled with disconnecting from work. So I found for me, you know, my morning started very early. So I had my set routine, but I wasn't physical in the morning. Whereas in the afternoon was when I made sure that I had my workout time just because it allowed me to disconnect from work. So it's like, you've got to know what your schedule is and what's realistic for you. I knew for me, it was not realistic to go work out in the morning. I didn't want to go to the gym in the morning. Like that was just an added stressor. And that's not what my mornings, that's not what right. I wanted. Um, so I think yeah. you know, be very intentional in how you schedule your time. And also remember that you have to take care of yourself. Cause if you don't, my teaching sucks, oh. my podcasting sucks, you know, I, as a girlfriend, I was awful. Um, everything radiates from when you do not feel good.
1: I agree. And I think that's such a great point. I was actually, yeah, totally agree with that. How can you take care of other people as a teacher, as like a parent or as a girlfriend or as a, yeah? like, how can you care for others? if you can't yeah. care for yourself. And I yeah. think if you're, if you're the vessel that's really emanating the, the plans, the energy, all of that stuff, you also need a break. You can't just be going, 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 going. People, people stop to reset and recharge so that they can keep going. Yeah. If you don't, you're just going to burn out. And I think burnout is so real and I've been there a yeah. lot and I realized, wow, I need to really like reflect and reset and, and think about why I was burnt out and what I can do to change and prevent yeah. this from happening again. Yep. And that comes with from saying no sometimes, you know, I get FOMO and <laughs> yeah. I don't know if that's still a thing. That oh, totally. Okay, good. I was like, am I just... <laughs> fake <laughs> language like I don't know um, <laughs> so no. uh, and you know in the past honestly like I would say no to nothing I would say yes to everything and that was my downfall and yep. I realized I need to say no to brunch every single you know every day like, I can't do that in New York you can say yes to so many things and not be at home at all and that's really really hard for extroverts or people who just love to be you know out and about but you guys We're human. We got to take time to take take care for ourselves so that we can continue doing fun things and continue our lives in a really healthful and balanced way.
0: Yeah. I don't know who originally said it. I heard it through Rachel Hollis, but she says, if it's not a hell yes, it's a no. And I think it's really important to check in and be like, oh, I'm not excited about this. Nope. The answer is no. And that's it. And it's okay if you disappoint somebody, because at the end of the day, you're not disappointing yourself. You're taking time for yourself. And that's that's what will have more of the impact than anything people respect that,
1: you know, like I've had friends who've asked me the brunch or whatever and going out and I'm like, I need self-care. I need to take time for me. And they're like, oh, awesome. Like, do you, you know? And also I love that you said that. Like, I didn't love that point because I've heard that before too. I think that's very good, very good point for like work and love. If it's not a hell yes, it is most likely no. If it's a maybe, it's probably no. If you if don't get excited about it, if you're not sparked and energized and, and energized and feel passionate about it, whether a person for dating and, and, or job. no. Yes.
0: Oh my gosh. I can't <laughs> tell you the amount of times that like, not the amount of times it sounds ridiculous, but if somebody asked me out on a date and I like was like, mm, okay. And I did it more so for them, which, what the hell? Oh, Why would I have hard. done that?
1: Yeah, I've done that too. That's, sure.
0: that's an hour, whatever that I could have spent doing. I don't know, something else that yeah. I would have enjoyed. So that's the other thing. Like take it from me as I am like, such a people pleaser and I'm really still I working on it way. oh my god if somebody asks you out and you're not interested just say no don't not respond don't be that person but just say no it's okay you're saving your time and energy yeah. and you're saving that person stuff too so
1: yeah and I think you know on that point I agree with you a hundred percent and I think also there are certain certain circumstances where I have been pleasantly surprised yes. like being open is different from saying no to things that don't excite you and i think right. you you got to differentiate between the two i think it's hard to just say no to everything and but it's also hard to say yes to everything and i think it's a balance so you got to be open to different experiences especially in your 20s oh my god the the best book ever and uh, for my for the 20s not the best book ever in life but um, I think it's called The Defining Decade. I
0: knew you were going to say that. I oh, really? love that book. I did? Yes, I knew you were going to say that. I read
1: it like a hundred times a so night. Like good. 20, when I was like twenty three, twenty four, 24. And it helped me so much. It's a bit the high level like synopsis is like intention. Build intention and, you know, be smart about what you want. And I think that goes for work, love, whatever in your life, you know, be intentional with your time, with your energy, with your work, with your love, you know, relationships, with your friendships, with your family. It's just, it's all a balancing act too, but also knowing what you want and who you are. And that's a process. You don't wake up one day and be like, I have all the answers. Like whoever has that, please let me know because I will interview you. Um, <laughs> yeah, right. Like, like on the- and give me your secrets. Yeah, right. It's a process. People sometimes don't even really have a big picture of who they are until later on in life. And the pressure, there is pressure to find who you are, but that's the beauty of life. It's all about the search and all about that kind of process um, that you find out who you are.
0: Yes, absolutely. Okay, so we have a segment called Truth and Trial, um, okay. and I'm very interested to hear this from you. So what has been the greatest trial that you've faced in your career? And then my follow-up to that is what has it taught you?
1: Wow, that is such a good question.
0: It's a hard one.
1: It's a it's really like hard, hard one.
0: Let me talk about the bad stuff.
1: So it's not necessarily... And again this is kind of goes to my whole theme of like the searching process is part of self-exploration and learning about yeah. yourself and developing yourself so I've had a couple a handful of different jobs in, in my 20s um, I had a job in LA and working for literally the best thing I, I, I don't think I would have done it long term but it was digital advertising for art museums mm-hmm. in the west coast so I worked at for events, for galleries and museums. And I was loving it. I loved LA, I had great friends, I, I lived by the beach. Like, waking up near by the beach was like the dream for me. And I just love LA, California. And I was always, everyone thought I was a California girl. I was like, I'm actually a New York girl. And it was really hard for me to flip the switch and get, leave the world that I loved of, of art, of the beach, of like the community that I've built there, to come back to the city where I'm, I am technically from. and jump into corporate America when I don't know if I necessarily was ready for. Um, it was a little bit bureaucratic and very different from the world I left. And I think it was a trial for me to adjust. I mean, to be honest with you, all of it was an adjustment. Um, going to college away from home, was not close to home, in Atlanta, very different culture from New York, but awesome city. Then moving to LA, knowing no one, and learning to drive in the freeway on the freeway. <laughs> big, big, big accomplishment, but also scary. And then moving back home and then redefining my life and, and those experiences, and, and, and taking those and learning and adjusting to the culture that I left from six years ago. Like, I had a break of five, six years and then came back to New York, and it was like a new city to me because I haven't I've been away for so long. So, I think the trial for my career was really jumping and readjusting to each culture and different phase in life on top of the job like if you think about it when you move and I don't know if anyone has moved as frequently as I have in the past during my 20s during your 20s but I had new boyfriend new job new lifestyle new friends like in different cities obviously my old friends are my old friends but in terms of like making a, a new life for myself I think the hardest thing for me looking back was adjusting to all areas of my life changing. And I think it's hard like roommates, like moving apartments, like moving is a big, big, big challenge. Um, and it's not, I don't know who likes me to move, but it's a lot of work. Yeah. jumping from city to city to city. In se- in seven seven years, yeah, I've lived in three different cities. Wow. And I think it was a big emotional experience for me that may have affected my work, I don't know, in subconscious ways. But, you know, thinking about that, I didn't have the same boyfriend in those six, seven years. I didn't have, I have my friends still from those experiences, but I had to make new friends too, right? Because like a lot of my best friends don't live in the same city as me um, because they jump around so much. So that's a big challenge. And I think a lot of people are jumping around in their careers in the same city, but I think an added layer of complexity and an added challenge is when you're jumping cities and readjusting to a new lifestyle or a new culture or a new thing, which is highly encouraged. But you have to be mentally prepared for those changes because you know a lot of my friends started getting married and I was't in, was in the same city. You know it's life, you know, adjusting to changes. But I think again, moving in that add layer of complexity is the whole gamut changing at once. When you're getting a new job, a new boyfriend,' like, it's just everything. What? What's going on? you know? But it's all good things because it, it, it does teach you how to readjust, be flexible, yes. but also be resilient.
0: Yes. And I, I think that's the most important thing is to be resilient and, mm-hmm. you know, to, to have these experiences that, that make us whole and that make us grow and push us outside of our comfort zone. Sure. That is the value in that. I just, it's unmatched.
1: You know, it's so funny. Um, there's a quote. Cool, I don't know if it says, this or maybe I just said, like, I don't know. I heard this somewhere. It's like, I'm comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yes. You have I, to be, I, Sam. you have to be,
0: you have to be, otherwise you stay stuck and you stay stagnant. And I think that's when you look back on your life and there's yeah. resentment and you just, that that's not how you need to live. You,
1: you can't, especially, especially in your twenties. Um, your twenties is the best time for trial and error for, for dating. I mean, once you find a great guy like Chase, like obviously don't date while you're dating somebody else, but <laughs> probably dated prior to that and have, you know,
0: work, guys.
1: Yes, exactly. But also with work, right? So going back to the search chain, work and love, like trial and error. Obviously don't jump jobs every, you know, four weeks, depending on what you're doing. But don't be a leapfrog, like for, for too long. But it is very important to not be complacent in your 20s, I think. That's my personal opinion. And people can disagree with me. But I do think that it is the time to Develop new skills, meet new people, travel, explore. Obviously, not in COVID. Travel, explore the world, meet. You know, date if you're single. Um, learn new things, be open, but also self care.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, you're so wise. This was <laughs> an incredible interview. And I, f- I yeah. feel like I've learned so much from you and I've taken so much from this and I'm sure you guys as the listeners have too. And if you haven't go back and re re-listen because there's so much goodness in this episode, Christina, the world needs more people like you and our listeners need to make sure they are connected to you. So where can they continue to learn and grow from your incredible advice and wisdom?
1: thank you so much yes please 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 add us on instagram at the search scene uh we also have other channels on social but instagram's our main platform of contact dm me anytime i'm very responsive i'm always on my phone and email us um the search scene at gmail.com and subscribe to our newsletter Yay. um if you have any questions feel free to again to reach out to me dm me email me log in um to our newsletter and check us out stay connected
0: Yes, and everything she mentioned from the books to her socials, everything will be linked in the show notes. So make sure you look at those, you follow her, get both of those books. I need to read the Ask For It one. I've read The Defining Decade, but I have a new one that I need to order. Christina, you are amazing. It has been such a wonderful experience connecting with you and learning more about you. you. Thank you so much for coming on the show
1: course i'm so happy and, and honored to be, have been on your show this is an amazing podcast and i'm tuning in all the time oh,
0: thank you so much well guys thank you so much for your time today i hope you continue to have a beautiful beautiful day and we will talk to you soon